Hello and welcome back to Field Notes, the sister podcast to Sounds of the Sanctuary, the new podcast by Red Wings. If you listen to our first episode, you'll know that each week we sit down with an expert from the charity to take a closer look at some of the horse care issues raised in previous episodes of Sounds of the Sanctuary. We hope this will be really interesting and informative for any horse owners, as well as those thinking of taking on a horse for the first time and anyone who'd like to find out more about caring for equines. In this week's Sounds of the Sanctuary, we met Amigo, who lives with the long-term effects of serious liver damage, potentially as a result of worms or even ingesting toxic vegetation. Today, we're chatting to senior veterinary surgeon Nikki Jarvis, head of veterinary care at Red Wings, who's going to give us a guide on worms, parasites and poisonous plants and how horse owners can prevent these from becoming a problem. So today I'm with Nikki Jarvis. Thank you so much for your time today. Could you just explain a little bit about what you do at the sanctuary? Yeah, so I'm head of veterinary care. So basically one of the senior veterinary surgeons here that looks after the horses that have already been rescued. So they're here now and enjoying their sanctuary care. So, and I've been here, oh goodness me, it's got to be 25 years, I think now, isn't it? So there must be something very wonderful about being here. Lovely. So today we have stolen some of your precious time to talk about things like worms and and parasites and poisonous plants, all the things basically that we really need to be careful of um, to ensure that a horse's internal system, just some of the things anyway, to make sure that they continue to be healthy, healthy on the inside. So when I first arrived here, I thought horses are very robust animals, but actually just just how delicate are their internal systems? I think that there's a lot about horses that are quite robust so they've got very efficient livers for example but we all have you know that's what livers are designed to actually tolerate quite a lot of impact before they actually fail however I would like to slightly critique a horse's for its um, internal um, intestines the reason being they're not terribly well put together no offense to the horse but bearing in mind they've got an awful lot of meters of both small and large intestine they're not awfully well fixed down so they do have a the potential to twist or to intercept which is it when one section of gut telescopes into another um, they can become impacted which is horsey version of constipation um so i would i would say that perhaps their intestine is is one of the areas where quite a lot can manage to go wrong can a horse if something does go wrong with the intestines is it fairly obvious is it something that horse owners can pick up quite quickly are there more subtle signs to look for i actually find horse owners are by far and away you know the best judge of their own horses um sort of uh, well-being so horse owners will pick up very quickly if their horse has colic there'll be subtle signs well maybe a horse hasn't finished its breakfast maybe it's standing away from its friend standing alone they've noticed it lying down a lot more these are the more subtle low-grade forms of intestinal disease which we often refer to as colic colic just means abdominal pain 
or you may get actually quite a severely painful colic or a horse that doesn't handle pain well and the signs will be so dramatic that even an inexperienced person will be able to see it so that would be a horse violently pouring the ground getting up going down getting up going down rolling legs in the air a sort of muck sweat so there's all different levels of how a horse will demonstrate colic it might be very very mild signs that an experienced horse owner will pick up on all the way through to the very dramatic signs that any of us could pick up on as you said, for some for kind of those subtle signs, this is where the real importance of getting to know what the normal for your horse is. Absolutely. So it's knowing your horse's habits. And uh, one that we, you know, one should never talk about bathroom sort of habits, really. But I think when it comes to your horse, you should. So even something as simple as knowing how many droppings a day your horse passes and what they normally look like. Because if all of a sudden a horse is only passed one dropping that day... Mm-hmm. that's really unusual and you need to take good note and observe your horse like a hawk because something's not right there so it's it's knowing about a horse's sort of bathroom habits is is actually quite helpful could you also talk me through some of obviously we've got parasites and, and worms which can also wreak a bit of havoc in there as well what kind of the main ones that we need to keep an eye on worms are an internal parasite they live in the intestines the adult worms off often are within the lumen of the intestines hanging onto the wall Um, but there are a a population of worms that we often call a small red worm and one of the difficulties with those is they not only live within the gut lumen but some of the larval stages can curl up in a little ball within the gut wall now they almost uh, best word is maybe hibernate in there they lie dormant in there and they can lie dormant for up to two years your trouble comes if they suddenly decide to emerge en masse because you can imagine that wreaks havoc with the lining of the gut actually destroying the lining of the gut and that can make a horse seriously ill you also get other types of worms for example roundworms commoner in much younger horses so you're sort of like one-year-olds two-year-olds perhaps your three-year-olds and those are quite meaty worms they're actually quite substantial and those live in the very narrow small intestine so again if you had a large number they could almost cause a blockage in there Um, so there's all different variety of worms and most of them in small numbers have no impact on the horse whatsoever but if those numbers become out of control or if they emerge en masse in the case of a small red worm they can cause very serious damage weight loss and potentially even a fertility my goodness so in terms of if they are if they're left unmanaged if they're left un- unnoticed we are looking at potential if not you say a fertility you've potentially got some quite long-term effects there as well yeah long term you can have um, scarring of the gut most horses if you're able to get in there early and get veterinary treatment early you can do a lot to help them so again it's being really vigilant but the most important crux of the matter is management of parasites and nowadays we know so much more than we ever knew before and we are able to get in there and we are able to provide effective preventative management for those horses and guess what 
it doesn't involve worming horses once every two months like it used to. We've got much cleverer and now we're able to do testing, testing of the horse's droppings. So we've got a really good idea of what's in there. And I think our knowledge of the worm life cycles, we're able to actually look at the worm life cycles and predict what stages they are at and what wormer we would use and how often we would need to test. Fantastic. So if if testing is probably some of the best preventative measures, what kind of frequency are we talking about? What kind of tests are we are we looking at? So basically nowadays it's all about protecting wormers. So wormers, otherwise known as antelmintics, and some owners might refer to them as dewormers. Obviously, they're drugs that we give to the horse orally that kill off the adult worms and some some of the larval stages too. Now we can just every couple of months give a horse a wormer. The trouble is what that is doing is that's kind of overworming the horse. And what that leads to is potential resistance in the worm population. If you get a family of worms and you constantly use a wormer, every so often you're going to get one of those worms genetically is a little different and it manages to survive the worming process. That worm's going to continue to breed up. So in a way, you can see how you quite quickly can get to breed an almost like super population of worms that's resistant to the chemicals you're using. Now, at some stage in the future, we're gonna run out of wormers that still work. And that's what we in the UK need to work very hard to do. So that's why we do so much testing nowadays. Now, if we only worm a horse when it needs to be wormed, we will radically reduce the use of wormers in the UK and we will slow down this development of resistance and it's such a simple thing we can do and guess what it saves you money too now the way we test them so the easiest thing we do is fecal worm egg counting and that's as simple as you just take a sample of your horse's poo make sure it's nice and fresh and steaming ideally and if you can take the sample from several areas of the dropping because the worm eggs aren't necessarily shed entirely evenly and work with either your own veterinary surgeon who will set up a worm egg count program for you you're normally going to sample about four times a year or you can work with many of the really good online commercial companies so just get a program set up speak to an expert to get it set up and they will tell you exactly how often to test and what time of year. The worm egg count samples are amazing but there's a couple of things that it can't test for and one of those things is these funny little insisted dormant larvae living in the gut wall that I mentioned with the small red worm and it finds it a little bit harder to test for things like tapeworms so you may need some additional tests for that or your vet may prescribe a once a year wormer that they know will target that but basically in a lot of cases you might only worm your horse once a year 
How incredible is that? That could be quite a surprise to quite a few horse owners who have traditionally done the cycle of deworming. Is this something that is a message that's slowly getting out there now? Yeah, and it's catching on so quickly. So if there are horse owners out there that haven't been doing this, that's okay. Years ago, none of us did it. So, you know, it does take a while for anything to the message to come across. But we are already seeing resistance to certain wormers. And that is frightening. I find that quite frightening. So the faster we as a nation act and change over, the better. But there is one last thing, and I know that the horse owners of the UK are working really hard on this, and that's simple. It's poo picking. When a horse passes droppings, if it has worms, there will be worm eggs in there. If the owner is able to clear those from the pasture, then the horse can't then recontaminate itself at the front end or contaminate its herd mates. So something so simple as poo picking the field, let's say three times a week if they can, but I know some owners that do it every single day. You were doing such a good job because you're breaking the life cycle of the worm. And that is critical. That is absolutely critical. And you, again, will so drop the use of antimintics on your, um, you know, your farm. Caring for horses, there's 101 things to to do every day, Mm. isn't there? It's a a really big job. So anything that kind of simplifies, but also is doing the horse population a good favour at the end of the day is is fantastic as well. But another thing we also have to consider, obviously, we've got we've got parasites, we've got worms, but we've got to look at potential poisonous vegetation. In terms of poisonous things that a horse could ingest and cause issues for it, what are, what are the main ones that we look out for here? Ragwort springs to mind immediately. That is that, well, quite distinctive. It's a tall, um, it's uh, got sort of lobulated green leaves, it's got these bright yellow flowers and all of us when we drive down the motorway we can see it it's in the central reservations it's it's up the embankments i mean it's incredibly widespread the thing is it's quite a bitter plant so if it's in a field and if there's plenty of lush grass then inevitably the horse doesn't opt for the ragwort first i mean you know they've got lush grass they're not going to want the ragwort trouble is nowadays All of us have got some overweight horses, so we're tending to restrict the grazing. So plants like ragwort become more tempting and horses will put their heads through into the verges and anywhere they can get because they go, gosh, I'd like some extra nutrition. So they are going to be at risk of getting hold of more toxic sort of vegetation. They can be tempted at that stage by the ragwort. The other time is it can accidentally be baled into hay. And when it's dried, it's slightly more palatable. So the horse, again, will be tending to consume it. Now, munching on a bit of ragwort as a one-off, you probably won't notice anything at all. But it is something that can have a cumulative effect And the organ it targets is the liver. Again, it's a slow, gradual build-up. So particularly horses, as I say, if they haven't got a lot else to eat, they will eat the fresh plant but dried in the forage. And gradually, 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 you get this low-grade liver damage that over the course of time 
you could then start to see the effects of liver disease and liver failure. So it is something that in its early stages as well, your horse will look absolutely fine and you'd only pick it up on a blood sample. So that's why the best thing by far, if you even see a hint of it, pull it. And the top recommendation as well, make sure you wear gloves when you pull it. Look after your safety because there is evidence to su- suggest you can absorb some of the toxin through your skin. So please wear a nice big old pair of gardening gloves wh- whenever you go to clear any weed from your paddock. Look after yourself too. So spoken about ragwort, are there any other vegetation that hornets owners really need to be aware of? I think one of the ones that's come up in the last couple of years is sycamore, sycamore trees. Um, So for a great many years, we saw a condition happening in horses where it was this really profound muscle damage that seemed to suddenly occur. It was rapid, it was acute, where they had severe myositis so horribly inflamed muscles that were almost like breaking down and then the products of that the myoglobin from the muscles was hitting the kidneys and taking out the kidneys but also in these horses it seemed like even their heart muscle was affected and respiratory muscle so absolutely really acute horrific disease that was very often fatal now for for a long time nobody knew why nobody knew why and then researchers just managed to work it out and thank heavens they did it turned out that it was due to a toxin called hyperglycin A which is found in the sycamore tree and our trouble is you get lots of very innocent sycamore trees just growing doing their thing but of course what do they do Um, so once a year a huge amount of these amazing helicopter seeds which are designed to in the wind travel as far as possible (laughs) they all come down they hit the ground your horse is grazing probably at least 100 metres from a sycamore tree and they're accidentally consuming these seeds. Also, then the following spring, the seeds start to come up as these tiny little seedlings. Now, although the levels vary from tree to tree, they do contain hypoglycin A. Now, the leaves also contain it as well, but we tend to notice the leaves a lot more and perhaps be clearing them, whereas the little seeds that that go a lot further than the leaves and these tiny little um, seedlings that come up, they're very hard to notice sometimes. So, And it's from those that this disease was found to originate. So I just say to everyone, be really, really vigilant. If you have sycamore trees around the edge of your property, you need to do everything you can. So ideally, you need to fence sources away if you can and certainly make sure they've got alternative sources of nutrition to keep them away from grazing anywhere near there. Obviously, I don't want to tell everyone to chop every tree down on their property. But again, if you have a single sycamore tree and you've got a large amount of horses and you have got the opportunity to have that tree removed it is something you may want to discuss and consider it seems simple enough to prevent isn't it it's it's vigilance it's picking up it's pulling up isn't it but again that's time that's dedication similar to the ragwort it's just something that is really essential that we do to ensure yeah horses can can graze as safely as possible 
Absolutely. Just literally be vigilant to any changes at all. So if when you're pooper came, because, you know, owners are amazing and they spend every morning and every night out in their fields in the coldest of weathers. But if you start to notice things like seeds, seedlings, anything you're not used to seeing, get samples, check out what they are. There's all sorts of fabulous apps as well on people's phones where you can take a picture of a plant and it will tell you what it is and uh, I'm not shy I use them um, and and so if there's something you don't know try and find out what it is just in case it is toxic brilliant and earlier we touched on colic we've talked about worms we've talked about poisonous vegetation kind of looking at the whole if you have any concerns I suppose the first thing to do is call your vet isn't it Absolutely. So if you see changes in your horse from normal, that's the most important thing. And critically, if you think a plant is involved, get photographs, really good quality photographs and get samples and try and get get it identified. And also with most conditions in horses, the sooner you act, the more chances that something can be done. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for going through all that information. That was amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much to Nikki for taking part in this week's episode of Field Notes. If anything you've heard today makes you feel concerned about the health of your horse, please contact your vet. Otherwise, if you'd simply like to find out more, why not take a look at our website, redwings.org.uk, where you'll find plenty of free information. Until next time, bye!